0: heaven we ask you in prayer now for a a special blessing from your holy spirit for each listener for myself that we would be drawn closer to you that is our ultimate goal and hope and aim in life to know jesus for that is eternal life and we pray this in jesus name amen Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I am Scott Ritzema for 30 minutes of news and information for you from a biblical perspective, from a prophetic standpoint. And I want to look at this initial headline, this initial quotation from the chairman of the Commission on Civil Rights in the United States federal government, Martin R. Castro, because this has huge religious liberties implications. Listen to the quote. He said the following. The phrase religious liberty and religious freedom will stand for nothing except hypocrisy so long as they remain code words for discrimination, intolerance, racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, Christian supremacy, or any form of intolerance. That was a long sentence, but I think you got the gist of it. He said, the phrases religious liberty and religious freedom are code words for... All of those horrible things. We are witnessing in the 21st century, in the propaganda assault and the mind warping, mind manipulation media machine and political machine of absolute distortion of reality, something that we've never seen before. We're seeing the Bible, the religion of Jesus Christ, people who believe in the way, the truth, and the life being pigeonholed, and scapegoated as the hateful people of society. Now think about that for a second. Jesus Christ taught love for your enemies, turning the other cheek. When your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. Pray for those who persecute you. This is the attitude of the Christian. But at the same time, the Bible says in Leviticus, where it talks about loving your neighbor, As yourself, you know, that's where Jesus got that from, right? That was from the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus did not invent a new thing in the New Testament era to replace the Old Testament. Otherwise, we would not have the Old Testament. All we'd need is a New Testament. No, the whole Bible through and through has truth just loaded in it. And in Leviticus, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. But the verse right before that, it says, don't hate your neighbor and neglect to rebuke him. In other words, when we don't bring out truth about moral issues, that is hating people. So true hate speech would be like this. You know, whatever you want to do, do it. It's, it's good for you. Whatever's good for you is good for you. And I'm, I'm cool the way I am. And so, you know, we'll all just kind of have moral relativism and, and do what thou wilt. Biblically speaking, that is hate speech because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself In Leviticus in the verse right before that, it says, don't hate your neighbor by withholding rebuke from them. So let me from the Bible, allow the Lord to do a little rebuking of our society right now, because it happens to me in the quiet moments of devotional time and prayer where the Lord brings truth home to my heart. That I've been a sinner. That there's this thing called rebellion against God that each one of us has a predisposition toward. Selfishness, immorality, self-centered living. So what would I allow and invite in my own life, I want the rest of the listeners to be able to appreciate from their loving God. Because it says in Revelation, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. So when the Bible says... That you shall have no other gods before you, before him. What in your life have you put before God? That's sin. That's an idol. That's a God before him. And we've got to be confronted with our sin. If we have this whitewashed thing of, oh, you know what? I'm good. I'm clean. I'm I'm okay. I'm a nice, respectable, law-abiding citizen. That's not how you gain entrance into heaven, my friends. We're all sinful, born with sin, conceived in iniquity. We all have a death sentence hanging over our head because the wages of sin is death and every single listener and myself have sinned. This is the gospel message that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. You see, we don't just stop with the rebuke. That would be actually kind of hateful if we only just rebuked and didn't offer the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ offers to us. But it would also be hateful to never confront the world with its sin. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can go on. Have you been profane? That's the third commandment. We covered the first two. No other gods before me. Don't have an idol in your life. Have, have, you, have you profaned the name of God? Because anytime you misrepresent him, that's profaning him. Or maybe you misused his name and used terrible profane language. Have you violated his holy Sabbath day? The fourth commandment tells us that the seventh day of the week is holy. This was straight back in Genesis when God created this world. He sanctified the seventh day. To trespass on that day, to do our own pleasure on his holy day, as Isaiah said, is sin instead of finding delight in his day isaiah says don't find ple- don't don't look for your own pleasure on his holy day but make his day a delight it is a delight so it would be hate speech for me to say choose your own sabbath whatever you want to do do it you know if you want to work 7 days straight that's cool if i tell somebody that i'm putting a giant stumbling block that will send them over the precipice into eternal destruction and death and perishing in the lake of fire Okay, these are biblical realities. I'm using the strong biblical language because we need a wake-up call, my friends. We need a poke in the eye in this postmodern world where everything has become morally relativistic and you're not allowed to say anymore that something is wrong and sinful. Because if you say that, then supposedly now that's hate speech. But Jesus says, love your neighbor, love your enemy. It's the most loving message imaginable. You notice nobody criticizes Jesus and his message of love. Even the secular people with all of their propaganda like the statement you just heard about religious liberty and religious freedom are just code words for intolerance and sexism and homophobia and all of these evil things. Even folks from that perspective will acknowledge that Jesus – is 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 pretty great you know most people will say you know i don't like christians well don't judge it based on christians i mean there's a lot of people and myself included when i when i fail and slip and fall and um, people say they're christians out there and they misrepresent him completely that's not christian then right so these things about christian supremacy the martin r castro quote that i read at the beginning of the broadcast Civil rights commissioner for the U.S. government came out and said, you know, you can't, you can't have religious liberty and religious freedom because these are just code words for all of these things, discrimination and, and, and sexism and Islamophobia, and he went on this long list. We've got to react to that with the love of Jesus Christ, and that is the gospel message. And the gospel message is this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listener, myself, adultery, lust, dishonesty, lying, Have you hated somebody in your heart? That's the violation of the commandment against murder. Have you coveted somebody else's goods? All of these are the Ten Commandments of God for which we all stand guilty. And to not share that fact would be hateful. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't hate them by withholding rebuke. So here we are to rebuke, to allow the Bible to rebuke because it says all scriptures are given by inspiration of God and are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we all need that. And God gives us to that because he loves us. This is love speech. To say homosexuality is a sin. In other words, to act on this inclination, to engage in same-sex sexual behaviors. That is, biblically speaking, sin. For the Lord to rebuke that sin, and that's just one among many, It's not some special little thing that you got to have everything be all about that one. But that is one of them. And if we were not to address that, that would not be loving because God says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. I want to bring people into a Christ-like holy way of living. If you've got intolerance in your heart and hate toward others, people of other religions, people of other races, people of other sexual orientations, hate in your heart is like murder, Jesus said. We need to be rebuked for that as well. He went on, by the way, and said, this is um, chairman of the Commission on Civil Rights. He said, in the past, religion was cited to justify Jim Crow laws and oppose women's suffrage. Present-day religious liberty efforts are aimed at discriminating against the LGBTQ community. And now its use, he said... It's used to deny the use of public school bathroom facilities by transgender youth. That apparently is the latest rights issue. I mean, when you study history, you study about the struggle for individual freedom and for civil rights, for people of all races and for religions and minority religions. And it's, a, it's an inspiring history about the, the development of religious freedom and, and individual rights. But it's like you kind of get caught up in that and you go, well, we got to find a new right then. Let's invent some absolutely contrived weird thing like the the individual freedom that every sovereign individual has to use the restroom of the opposite sex. I mean, what in the world are we doing? We are living in the twilight zone here of craziness. And if somebody's struggling with gender dysphoria and their own feelings of what they are, infinite compassion and love and patience from God there's no condemnation here for those who are in Christ Jesus if we repent of our sin if we repent of our our thoughts of of, of selfish and lustful and, and and twisted thinking and Jesus Christ is giving us a new heart day by day when we are in Christ we are a new creation okay so when when we talk about transgender bathrooms being crazy, that you know this this the, the idea um, by transgender bathrooms i mean men being able to just go in the women's restroom that this is the new rights issue bringing that up to show the sickness of our society the absolute mass mental illness that we are under is not meant to be a a hammer to come down on somebody because of their sexual orientation or their gender feelings okay if you're struggling with these things god loves you just like he loves everybody And he wants you to overcome sin, just like he wants all of us to overcome sin. And it's not a sin to be tempted in a way where you overcome temptation. So if you're tempted to think something, to lust a certain way, to want to do something, and then you don't do it by the power of Jesus Christ in you, you are no different than any other sinner who's saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But it's once we say, I'm going to act on my sin, I'm going to live this out, and I'm going to assert this, that this is the new rights thing, and I'm going to walk into wherever restroom I want to go and do what I want to do and sleep in beds with whomever I want to sleep with, this rebellion, this deviancy is going to meet its day in the judgment. There is a judgment going on right now in heaven, my friends, and there is a righteous and just and loving judge. He wants so badly for you to have the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to your account so you can be saved, but we must repent. We'll be right back. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher, and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thhourdispatch.com. What does it take to raise spiritually strong young people in our homes? Well, the George Barna research results are in. Parents who have had actual measurable success, who have raised their children to become solid Christian young adults, these parents took the lead. They took responsibility to disciple their children. They didn't leave it to the Christian school teacher or the youth pastor or the church school class. No, they themselves led their children to the Savior. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought of men, oh, you rescue the souls of men. And we're back. This is Scott Ritzema with 11th Hour Dispatch, and we're talking about the news again, but we've just been spending the entire broadcast on this one alarming and eye-opening statement by this, the, the chairman of the Commission on Civil Rights, Martin R. Castro, who said that if you talk about religious liberty and religious freedom these days, that really that's just code for discrimination, intolerance, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, etc. And then he went on and said, you know, in the past, Jim Crow laws and women's suffrage were opposed by religious people. And and so now the evil religious people who are opposing the right To use the bathroom of your choice need to be also silenced, just like the religious people were overcome in the past. And then the last part I want to share with you from this quote says, third parties, such as employees, should not be forced to live under the religious doctrines of their employers. Now, let me read that statement again, and then we're going to understand the implications of this. He says, third parties, such as employees, should not be forced to live under the religious doctrines of their employers. Now, think about that statement for a second. If you're an employer, and let's say you're an employer of a Christian school, you are a Christian church. You are a businessman who's trying to run a Christian business. That's overtly Christian. Apparently, according to this statement from the Civil Rights Commissioner chairman, that if, if, if you were to say, you know, we, we don't allow this kind of behavior, these kinds of things in our school, in our Christian business, because it's not Christian and, and we're Christian. The statement said third parties, such as employees, should not be forced to live under the religious doctrines of their employers. So in other words, employers should be forced to accommodate every religion, worldview, sexual orientation and practice, immoral behavior, addiction, every form of immorality must be permitted by employers. According to the statement, if this were to become law which it is becoming law in many places, which that has, uh, that has very serious implications for our religious liberty, obviously, right? Now, the statement used the word forced. I used to, excuse me. I used to study political science. And when I was a government teacher, we would talk a lot about the application of force and how the government, George Washington said, government is force. And he said, it's like fire. It's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And so when when you think about the issue of force, you have to get pretty detailed. Understand when the application of the use of force is actually taking place. When you have employer-employee, you have two people who voluntarily are engaging in a association, in a relationship, in an economic relationship of some kind. Whenever two people contract together one with another in a marriage contract employer employee uh, school student I'm talking about private school student any st- in a free society anytime two people come together and say we're going to have an agreement and we're going to uh, you know you work for me I'll pay for you pay uh, pay you. You go to you pay the tuition. We'll we'll teach you in our private school. All of these are under the banner of free association, freedom of contracting with one another. The role of the government, the role of the state in that context, is to enforce contracts. So to make sure that people are not being deceptive and what the Bible would call bearing false witness in fraudulent contract forming. But within the context of you of your two free associating individuals if one were to say at any point this isn't working out for me they would have the right to free themselves from that voluntary arrangement so an employee at any time can and ought to be able to say you know i'm putting in my two weeks i'm I'm moving on to do other things for whatever reason maybe the employee even uh, objects to the employer's Religious viewpoint, They're, they don't. They don't like being around the person for whatever reason, or, or their beliefs, or their practices, or their behavior, their attitude, their character. For any reason, you can you can part ways with somebody. It, 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 nobody's being forced to be in this relationship, right? So, if an employee is working at at a business where the employer is a Christian, and the Christian says, you know, we don't allow for you know, smoking on our premises because we're trying to promote a clean living lifestyle. He's not forcing the employee to live under his religious doctrine because the employee could leave at any time and go and find a different job, right? It's freedom of association. There's no force being applied. The, the employer didn't go to the person's house, handcuff them at gunpoint, drag them to the job site and say, you will work for me that would be slavery that would be force that would be wrong but there's there's just an important fallacy in this statement by the commissioner on civil rights chairman of the commission on civil rights where he said that that employees apparently supposedly have a right to practice and believe and live however they want to live in the context of the the business or school that they are employed at that is a very dangerous threat to religious liberty now let's move on from that Story into this one from Bloomberg. I've got some good news on the health front. We've been talking about religious liberty the whole time. It's an important topic, but there's a lot going on in the news. We talk about health and and, and preparing ourselves physically and spiritually for the crisis days ahead. Bloomberg reports fast food eaters have more industrial chemicals in their bodies. Would you like phthalates with that? I've talked about this previously, but people who reported eating fast food in the last 24 hours have had elevated levels of some industrial chemicals in their bodies, according to a new analysis of data from federal nutrition surveys. Washington Post put it this way. Researchers have found an alarming new side effect from eating fast food. Researchers at George Washington University have linked fast food consumption to the presence of potentially harmful chemicals, a connection they argue that could have great public health significance. Specifically, the team found that people who eat fast food tend to have significantly higher levels of certain phthalates, which have been linked to a number of adverse health outcomes, including higher rates of infertility, especially among males. So you heard that right. Infertility linked with phthalates, which are found in the bodies of fast food eaters. In fact, Henry Greeley, a professor of law and genetics at Stanford University, recently made an alarming prediction that links in with this story. He said, 20 or maybe 40 years from now, virtually all babies will be made... In laboratories, using sperm and stem cells that produce eggs, parents will customize the genetics of the child like they're building a computer. Henry Greeley, professor of law in genetics at Stanford University, said in the near future that human reproduction will now become a laboratory experiment, a scientific act in in the laboratory using sperm sperm and stem cells. Instead of a relationally intimate act in the context of a godly marriage, where I mean, this is the most human things, the most beautiful godly things that God has created within us that we that make us image bearers of Him, that we have a oneness husband and wife, like God is one. We have a a, a unity of heart and mind and spirit and motive and purpose, and a love for one another, another, and a self sacrificing connectedness within that marriage unit that reflects and images and teaches about God's character, God's threefold nature. But there's an attack on that from every side, right? The family is under a massive full frontal assault with every form of confusion, deviancy, the breakdown of the the family, pornographic addictions, and now apparently... This is coming down the pike. 20 or maybe 40 years from now, he says, virtually all babies will be made in laboratories. I don't think that this world will last that long. We don't set dates. We have no idea. But we do know when the time is near, and that's now. We're already in the time where it's the time of the end, biblically speaking. And so 40 years from now, when when they talk about the merging of the human brain with AI technology and babies being made in laboratories and all of this is this is so futuristic that it will lead to the annihilation of species human it will be the end of the image bearer as of god as a autonomous entity that is that is tech free although you might say we had an interesting conversation about this just a couple of days ago when you when you're holding a phone all the time and it's in your pocket all the time and every everything you need is right there I mean, how much bigger of a leap is it to wire that very stuff into the hardware of our brains, into the neurological circuitry of our brain, which they're talking about doing in the next twenty years? It doesn't. It's not going to be a massive leap. It sounds crazy to us now, but that would be a natural process to those who've become so addicted to twenty-four-seven connection to the internet to the social networking world. Now, this one Hollywood has released a VR, virtual reality, Jesus film. Now, if you study the Bible and you love Jesus Christ and you believe in him as your Savior and as your personal friend and Lord and high priest in heaven who is blotting out our sins in the the heavenly sanctuary, then, then you understand that Jesus is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. That's what it says in the book of Acts. Jesus is reality. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But then Hollywood and humanity can't resist the temptation to take Jesus, the mega reality, the creator of everything, and then imprison him within this virtual reality experience. Give me a break. Virtual reality. You are so minimizing the sovereign creator. When you say we're going to put it in a Hollywood entertainment virtual virtual reality that makes the word reality meaningless once you put it in VR in trying to enhance the message of Christ you've dramatically reduced it. Have you ever heard the phrase the medium is the message? By choosing the medium of Hollywood film, we are communicating something even before the message ever gets through. And you're communicating that the gospel message is not as sober and serious and real as it would be as if you were preaching it out of the Bible. When that is the medium, even before you say a word, something is communicated. This is a serious thing. The Bible is being opened. But when you go, oh, I'm going to put the VR goggles on, man. This is going to be awesome. You're all of a sudden diminishing the reverence, the holiness, the bigness of the reality of Jesus Christ, and you're reducing it down into this entertainment By putting Christ into VR, you are making him less R, right? By putting him into virtual reality, you're making him less real, not more. Because something that needs to rely on virtual reality must not be good enough in reality because it has to be enhanced. It has to be virtualized. My friends, Jesus is good enough in reality. This is a fraud. This is a hoax. This is a, a perpetuation of the, the myth of the virtual everything will enhance us. No. Breaking free from that, connecting to Jesus Christ, will enhance our relationship with Him. Seek Him for real. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. There's a movement of Christians checking out of the public school system because it is not serving the interests of Jesus Christ in the lives of the children. It's indoctrinating in worldviews of evolution, of sexual deviancy, every form of secular humanist, socialistic, Darwinistic, I mean, you name it, everything unbiblical and anti-biblical being shoved down the throats of children throughout America in the public schools. I'll be honest. My wife and I teach our children to have a negative attitude toward worldly schooling methods. It's a social engineering program. It's a system designed to dumb down, to reduce intelligence. The world through the media and through the worldly schools is captivating the minds of the masses, ruining children. Brought to you by Belt of Truth